If you will turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, we're going to be there just for a minute and then move from there to several other places. But um, this morning we're going to continue on talking about some of our favorite things again. I wish I was like Oprah Winfrey and could give you a car or something like that, but I just can't. So I'm just going to have to continue to uh, give you gifts that are eternal and cannot be uh, stolen, cannot be rusted or beat up or destroyed but are things that are going to last your lifetime and really all throughout eternity. Uh, we talked a couple weeks ago about mercy, grace, and forgiveness and just the power in those and how God gave those to us and we in turn should re-gift those to others. We talked last week about purpose and having that God did not just send His Son Jesus into this world to save us so that we can just be the same old miserable person we always were that liked to sit on the, the couch and eat Doritos and watch television and do nothing else. Now that I'm going to heaven, I don't have to do anything, right? That's not what we've been called to. God has looked in and said, not only have I saved you and forgiven you, but I've also called you and I've given you a purpose, and that purpose is to join with me. Even though our purpose sounds really good sometimes, doesn't it? <laughs> my selfish purpose, I want to stay in bed for the rest of my life. You know, uh, that's, that sounds like a great purpose, but uh, it's not going to work out very good in light of what God's plan and will is. This morning, I want to continue to talk to you about these, these things, and I want to give you the gift this morning, uh, or at least let you know of a gift that you have and you didn't even know you had it. It's called eternity. The gift of eternity. It's not something that you can buy. It's not something that you can pick up. It's one thing that Walmart doesn't carry. You know what I'm saying? Walmart don't carry it. You can't get it at Sam's Wholesale Club. You can't, you can't go and buy it on the street corner from some guy in a long trench coat. He can't open his coat and buy eternity from him, okay? That, that's not how eternity works. It's not something that, that other people can give away to you, but it's actually a gift from God. And we'll see it Romans 6, verses 22 and 23, just kind of a, a starter verse for us. I'll have you turn somewhere else here in a little bit. But Romans 6, and 23 says, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And we'll talk about this just for a minute. We see everything that we've talked about here. So far we see everything in these two verses that we've talked about, but now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to God. That right there, you've received some mercy, grace, and forgiveness. You've been set free from your sins. Amen? Amen for some mercy, grace, and forgiveness. We could just go back and preach that one again, couldn't we? Anytime I want to get amens or some excitement out of the people, I'm just going to say mercy, grace, and forgiveness. We all got some, and if you ain't got some, we want to give you some. Now that you've been set free, now that you've responded to that, you've become slaves to God. In other words, you've gotten a purpose. Your, your purpose now is obedience to Christ, is following Christ. Amen? So you've received mercy, grace, and forgiveness. Your purpose now is an obedience. You've become a slave to God. The benefit you reap, this is what we get from it. We reap holiness, and the result is eternal life. And we know that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You didn't earn it. You earn, what you, you, you earn what you deserve, and you deserve what? Well, <laughs> death, Amy. You deserve to die. But then after that, forgiveness. That's a good guess, though, sweetie. I can't believe I just said from the pulpit that Amy deserves to die. <laughs> Love you, Jose. She knows I'm teasing her. We all deserve to die, don't we? We all deserve death, every single one of us. 
That's why we need a, for, uh, forgiveness from our Savior. We've earned death. Our wages that we would get paid if we got a paycheck from God, the paycheck would say, you're dead. <laughs> it's over. I'm done. That's what we've earned. But by His gift, exactly what Amy's talking about, that forgiveness, that mercy and grace that we receive, the gift of that is eternal life. God says, here's what you deserve. Here's what I'm going to give you. Tell me that don't get some people happy in the house of God today. I was going to kill you, decided not to. Oh, thank you! <laughs> you know what? You're good, God. The truth of the matter is, is today, uh, I'm going to be in Genesis here for a minute too, but today, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, or if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, there's one thing that God has given you that you didn't know that you had, and that's eternal life. Right now, some, some theologian in the church is saying, it's not true. Because, see, Christians have this mentality to think that we're the only ones that are going to live forever. We're going to talk about it today. How about we go to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. It says this. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female. He created them. So we know that we were made in whose image? God's image. We weren't made after cows. We weren't made after birds or animals. We were made in the image of God. Now, when people always talk about the image of God, we get really excited and we start saying, hey, I'm made in the image of God. That means I look like God. That means I think like God. I have the ability to reason like God. And I have, I have authority and dominion like God. And all of these things that everybody focuses on and talks about. Did you know that part of God's image is, is that God is eternal? Hey, wait a second. Was I created eternal? Yeah. Yeah, in case you didn't know. Some of you say, I know this, Pastor Bob, I've talked about it, but not everybody knows it, so just act like you're hearing it for the first time. Okay? Just help me out and act like you're hearing it for the first time. You get to live forever. Wow. Yeah, thank you, Pastor. <laughs> you do. All of us. You say, how do you know? Well, in Genesis 2, 7, the Lord God, it's a little bit, a little bit more defined in the creation. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, I, I like the King James Version a little better where it says, he became a living soul. Breathed into his nose. So, so what that's saying is, is that God didn't just breathe into the nose of man, which I don't know why he would choose the nostrils. Breathe into the mouth or something. That's just gross. <laughs> breathe into the nostrils. I'm being silly, folks. Just deal with me for a minute. He breathes into the, the rest of it's kind of heavy, so let me have fun for a few minutes, all right? He breathes into the nostrils of man, and what he did not do was, he didn't just, he didn't just jumpstart the respiratory system, okay? It wasn't like taking the, taking the, the jumper cables and go, bam, now he's breathing. <gasps> I mean, that's not what God did, even though he did do that. He breathed in and he started the respiratory system. He started the circulatory system. Heart started beating. He started the nervous system. And the nervous system, the brain, and all the little electrical shocks going through the body and starting everything. He started the digestive tract. He started all of this stuff, uh, the endocrine system and, and, the, and the urinary tract and all that stuff. It just went crazy all of a sudden because God breathed into it. But the most important thing is, is that it was alive. A soul. A soul. And someday, someday, 
when my respiratory system stops, my soul's still going to be there. Because souls are eternal. Because that's the image of God in us that is the eternal part in us, the image of God. You see, when my heart stops beating, soul will still be there. When my digestive system stops, you know I'm dead. Because I like to eat. But when all of the natural is gone, when everything natural in me stops working, the soul remains. I've had people tell me before, you know, Pastor, what, you know, you talk to, have anybody ever tried to evangelize somebody before and talk to them about eternity? And they, they sit there and look at you and say, well, I know where I'm going, I'm dead. Where? Ground. I'm going in the ground. Well, that's not very much fun. <laughs> that's, but then where does, where does your soul go? I don't believe that. Well, okay, then what just happens? I just cease to exist. I just don't even exist anymore. What's that feel like? I don't know. I said, can you, can you imagine what it's like to not exist? I don't know. They can't imagine or fathom it because they're eternal. <laughs> they don't understand. And today, we all have to grasp and realize that when the natural stops, the supernatural begins in our lives. And we continue on throughout eternity. It doesn't end. And we can't fathom even that eternity doesn't stop anymore. The question today is this. Where will you invest this gift of eternity? Where will you invest it? Now, I've had people say, if I was to ask you right now, where if you could live anywhere in the world to live, where would you live? I have people right now, Hawaii, I'm going to go live with Sandy Crowder. <laughs> Precious Sandy's in Hawaii, living it up. She's not cold, folks. She's sleeping right now. We ought to call her. Anybody got her phone number? <laughs> Just kidding. Some people say, I'm going to go to Florida. Some people say, I'm going to live in the Bahamas. And then some crazy person says, I'm going to Alaska. There's always a couple in every crowd. We had Brian's one there. We had Tom Shoemaker, Steve, a few of them. You know, everybody's got this vision of where they want to go. Now, now eternity, again, I'm really excited to tell you, you've got a choice. Now, the choices aren't as vast as maybe in the world where you'd like to live. you only got two choices. But you will live forever. And the Bible declares those two choices to us. Jesus talked about those two choices. And you're going to live forever, so you, you get a choice as to where you want to spend eternity. How cool is that? That I get a say in it. That I get to have a choice that the Spirit of God's drawn me to Christ so that I can make a decision. Will I accept Him or will I reject Him? Two choices. These two choices are called heaven and they're called hell. It's that simple. There is no purgatory. There is no wandering spirits on the earth. There is no in-between. There is no deep sleep that suddenly, you know, you sleep for a while and then you wake up to something else. There is no reincarnation. It's, it's not any of these things. What it is, folks, is that we have two destinations that we will decide and choose on our short lives on this earth, and one of them is heaven and the other one is hell. Our gift is eternal life. Where is it going to be spent? Obviously, the real gift is eternal life with Christ, and the other one is called the second death. Let's talk about it for a second. Hell is referred to as the second death. Hades, Gehenna, 
uh, you want to go through all these different things of hell and what it is. That's what it's called. It's a place of the unseen or the forgotten of God. It's a place in Revelation 2014 uh, that says the death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is called the second death. It's where those who are in rebellion toward God are cast. It's where they go. It's, where, it's what they choose for themselves by not submitting to Christ. John defines who will be placed there. These people in Revelation 28, but the cow, 21, 8, the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all the liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Now, obviously, when I start talking about the lake of burning sulfur, probably it doesn't sound quite as appealing, does it? Really, when you think about it, there is no decision to be made. People sit there and say, well, I just hope I'm good enough to get to heaven. You can't do that, folks, because this is the, these are the two extremes we're dealing with. It's not worth the gamble of trying something new. Amen? I've had people, I, I, people right now will say, Pastor, hell doesn't exist. It's not real. It's a figment of your imagination. Uh, just this last week, I read an article from a guy. It was really long. He was obviously very intelligent. He had done a lot of work. And his, his purpose and his goal, he says he's a believer. He's a Christian. He just doesn't believe there's hell. And then he believed and he went through and he started breaking down all the words in the Bible that the King James is wrong and the New Versions are wrong because they, they've taken these words and they've taken them out of context and, and all of this stuff. And his theory is, is that hell isn't real. It's more about a judgment on this earth. Hell isn't real. So he says that uh, mankind made this up. And he said the goal of it was because people would not follow laws on earth and wouldn't understand corporal punishment, didn't want to go to jail, all that kind of stuff. It wouldn't stop them. So if we throw in, you know, eternal damnation, that maybe will make them live like they're supposed to. To him, it was all about manipulation and control of a government over its people. Okay, what if you're wrong on that one? What if, what if you're wrong? And I, I'm here to tell you he's wrong. This morning, I, I want you to know that hell is a real place. Um, Jesus talked about it multiple, multiple, many, many times. The lake of burning sulfur isn't a misinterpretation of Scripture. It just isn't. It is what it is. <laughs> you know, It's a place prepared for Satan and his demons. And mankind wasn't prepared to go there, but mankind's been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. Have we not? That was the goal of God. But by man's rebellion, we've turned away and demanded on ourselves the wages of our ways. We refused what God has offered. The mercy, grace, forgiveness. God's saying, I'm going to draw you, 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 I'm going to draw you. And man's saying, I don't want it, I don't want it, I don't want it. Leave me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone. And so they choose these things for themselves. This also says this about uh, hell in Mark 9.48, Jesus said, Their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. It's also described by Jesus as outer darkness where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, if this is one of our two options, I, I, I'm ready to hear option, the other option now. Amen? You want to hear the other option? Let's talk about the other option just for a minute. Heaven is described as this. I'm going to read a bunch of things that the Scripture says about heaven, just quickly. If you want these, I can get them to you, the Scripture references and all that kind of stuff later. But uh, 1 John 14, 2, Christ calls it His Father's house. Lake of burning sulfur, God's house. <laughs> Where do you want to go? 
Listen, the Father who, who, who sent Jesus, His Son that we just sung about, Oh, come, let us adore Him. He was the one with the plan to, for our salvation. He's, he's the one that loves us. He's the one that wants us to be in relationship with Him, to show mercy, grace, and forgiveness to us so that we can be in relationship with Him and go and be with Him where He is. The Father's house. Amen. Jesus came and showed us the Father. Everybody's like, whoa, Jesus is really cool. Jesus healed the blind, the sick, the lame. He loved people. Even the adulterous woman, He showed love and mercy and compassion. Go and sin no more. All of these things that we see over and over. Everybody said, whoa, Jesus is awesome. It's like we get to go hang out with His dad and Him. What's your choice? That's just one thing. Let's keep looking at the list. It's called paradise. But it's not, it's not a casino boat. <laughs> It's the real paradise. It's a real place that's, that's, that's filled with perfection and glory, with no more hunger, no more thirst, and no more death or anything negative or bad. It's the real paradise. I'm not talking a place with, with a, an oasis and a couple of palm trees. I'm talking perfection for eternity. The heavenly Jerusalem. We talked about that for a few weeks ago, the fact that it's not like the worldly Jerusalem, it's a heavenly Jerusalem. It really is the foundation and invitation of peace. The kingdom of heaven, the eternal kingdom, eternal inheritance, and it's called the better country. The better country. I'm going to the better country. You mean better than the United States of America? Uh-huh. It's the better country. We have an opportunity when this flesh dies that we get to go to a better country. The blessed are said to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and to be in Abraham's bosom, to reign with Christ, to enjoy rest. All of these things. Okay, uh, hanging out with the saints that have gone before us to hear the depths and stories and teachings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and hearing Paul talk about his suffering for Christ or the lake of burning sulfur. I'm kind of leaning more toward heaven myself. In heaven, the blessedness of the righteous consists in this, the possession of everlasting, life everlasting, an eternal weight of glory, an exemption from all sufferings forever, a deliverance from all evils, and from the society of the wicked, according to 2 Timothy. We aren't going to have to be with the society of the wicked. What does that mean? It means when you get there, ain't nobody come in and mess it up. <laughs> You, that means you don't, turn, you don't drive down the road and see the smut on the billboards looking at you. You can't even turn on the television without somebody getting killed, a curse word, or somebody jumping in bed, Victoria's Secret commercial. You can't, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. Anything in life, the filthy jokes, the, the slop that's thrown at us on a regular basis, it's, it's against the living of the wicked. When we are in, the, in eternity with Christ in heaven, the wicked can't come there. We talked about it last week. Jesus said, their sins are piled up to heaven. And God says, I'm done dealing with it. It's not coming into my house. Why? Because it's, it's safety from the wicked. The wicked chose their path. They said, hey, you know what? Give us our wages. We deserve our wages. God said, oh yeah, you deserve your wages. I don't want to give it to you. I've offered you every avenue out, but you choose this. That's fine. Go into it. 
But for those that will recognize their sin and submit themselves to Christ and come up underneath the mercy, grace, and forgiveness that He has for us, the purpose He has for our lives and obedience, the result is, is not only holiness, but the, the promise of an eternal life with Him. Bliss without termination, the fullness of joy forever. <laughs> Anybody want to be happy forever? <laughs> Lake of burning sulfur, happy forever. Not to mention, I need to hurry up, but not to mention all of this stuff. It's a place that John couldn't even really describe in the book of Revelation. He's trying. Uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> The gates are the gates are made out of a they're cut out of a giant pearl. Well, Pastor Bob, the, the gates of, of the New Jerusalem, they're massive and huge. Are they really cut out of a giant pearl? And if they're really cut out of a giant pearl, where's the clam? Because that freaks me out. The oyster. That's one massive oyster. Keep it in chains. I'm sure that's in the lake of burning sulfur. But let's, let's get the oyster out and make giant gates. Now, I, I don't know that they're cut out of, a giant, out, of a cut out of a giant oyster. If they are, that's great. Maybe out of a giant pearl, not a giant oyster. <laughs> Fix it. Back that one up for a second. If it's cut out of a giant pearl, I don't know. Maybe John's looking at it and going, I don't know any other way to describe it. It's kind of pearlescent, big, beautiful. Wow, it's cut out of a pearl. It has to be. I mean, he can't even describe it in ways. The closest thing he can is to relate it with things for us. Uh, the, the foundations of, of, the, of the city were laid on amethyst and, and all these different sapphires and rubies and everything. And, 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 and is it really the, the precious jewels or is it just so beautiful, the colors and everything, that that's the closest he can come to describing it? The streets are gold. The streets are like glass made of pure gold. Maybe it was just too big and beautiful, folks. Lake of burning sulfur. Heaven. You see, we're all going to live forever. Every single one of us are going to live forever. But the decision, the choice is, is where will I spend my eternity? You say, Pastor, I don't get this because... If my flesh is dead, if my flesh is left behind and my soul leaves and goes into eternity, it doesn't have skin, it doesn't have the nervous system to feel, it doesn't have the nervous system and the sight and the hearing and the smell and all of that stuff. And, and first of all, I would say to that that Jesus, before he went to the cross, when, when, when the souls who were serving Christ or serving God were in Abraham's bosom, and the other half of Abraham's bosom were those that were waiting for judgment, the one in judgment still said, please come put water on my tongue because it's burning. As a soul. But when you start talking about eternity, you have to put the flesh factor in there. You say, what are you talking about? Again, Christians always like to talk about the resurrection. Always like to talk about when I'm saved, I'm a child of God, that this body is not going to lay here forever. I do it all the time at funerals and we talk about this, that this body will be resurrected. Did you know that that's true for both the saved and the sinner? That body will be resurrected. 
Jesus uh, went into the grave and, 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 and rose victorious and was given a glorified body, a body that could eat, a body that could walk through walls, a body that was just phenomenal, do all kinds of things, but yet would not die, would not be prone to sickness or disease or sin or anything of that nature, a glorified body because he was resurrected. Do you know that every single person that's lived on this earth will be resurrected and be given a glorified body? Amen. Right now theologians are going, that's not true, that's not true, that's only for the Christians. Absolutely false. It's for every single one of us. Why? Because we are made in His image. We are eternal and we're going to live eternally in one of two places. We see this. Jesus says this in John 5, verses 28 through 29. Do not be amazed at this, for the time is coming when all, everybody say all, 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 everybody in the grave, all who are in the grave. Who does that mean? That means one, two, three, four, no, all. All of them in the grave who are in their graves will hear His voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. Now the good we do is those who have come and followed and obeyed Christ and, and served Him. That is the good. You can't earn your way to a good resurrection. Amen? It's only through the obedience to Christ. And the others who have been raised to life to be condemned. And you say, now what? What is that talking about? Well, it's, let's, let's stick to heaven for a second. Just because I like heaven. Can anybody do this? Heaven. For those that have served Christ, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And those of us that are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the air. So we know that. We know that, understand that the believers will be raised to life and, and, and they will be given glorified bodies and we will be in eternity in bodies. Flesh, yes, flesh you recognize. Um, looking probably similar but different. In, in, in our bodies. Why? Because our bodies are not going to be sick. They cannot die. They cannot hurt. And they're not, not prone to sin. We can eat if we want to. Not because we have to. All of these things about our flesh is amazing to me. But here's the cool thing. When we stand in the presence of God, we will stand in the presence of God and see Him with eyes that are perfect. You see, in the Old Testament, people were afraid of the glory. We couldn't see the glory of God. Moses couldn't see the glory of God because it would kill the flesh. Now our flesh is going to be glorified because now we can see Him with our eyes and it's going to work and we'll, we'll be able to behold Him face to face. And we'll be able to feel, we'll be able to smell, we'll be able to hear. We'll hear the glory of God. We will not only feel the tangible presence of God in our soul and our spirit, but we will actually feel it with our flesh. We will hug Jesus. We will kiss Jesus' cheek, we will bow at His feet and weep our tears from our face onto His feet saying, thank you for the sacrifice and this gift that we've walked into today. The music that we hear will be the most beautiful thing you've ever heard in your life. Because, why? Because we'll be in glorified bodies with ears. Some people have trouble hearing, some people don't have trouble hearing, but we will stand in the presence of God and to hear the true glory and praise that John got to stand and hear that day. Did you know that we only use a small percentage of our brains today? But someday when we're glorified, we'll use the whole thing. What wonders will God unlock in this body someday? Can't even fathom it, folks. Can't even understand it. But every, every sense will be heightened in the presence of God in a glorified body. On the flip side, for those that are raised following the millennial reign of Christ, those that are raised to judgment... When this earth flees away from the face of our God and all that's remained is God and those that had rejected Him in glorified bodies standing in front of Him. They're going to be cast into a lake of burning sulfur with a body that will not die, with skin that can feel everything, 
with ears that can hear every scream, with eyes that can see all, everything around them, with lips that can taste it, tongues that can taste it, with a nose that can smell it, and a mind full functioning that understands everything that they've thrown away. You see, when we start looking at eternity, it's that gift, that indescribable gift of eternity is pretty cool. But it's not something to be played with. It's not something to be gambled with or thrown around. I want to go to a couple more scriptures. Revelation 2.11, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. There is no fear of hell. For the believer, there is no concern. Revelation 20, verse 6, Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with Him for a thousand years. That reference to a thousand years is talking about the millennial reign of Christ, but that's following the millennial reign of Christ is an eternity that we will rule and reign with Him. Turn with me to John 14, and I need to get going here. Give me about 10, 15 minutes and we'll... We got plenty of time. John 14, Jesus speaking to his disciples. If you're here today and you say, I'm unsure about, about eternity, I'm unsure about what I'm choosing in my life, well, we want to help you this morning. We want you to know and understand who Christ is because this is an amazing gift that you need to receive. Amen. And then you need to share it with other people and say, This is what you can have. John 14, 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus gives this eschatological promise for his disciples, but also for us. It points to the marriage, of the, the marriage supper of the Lamb, the marriage of the Lamb to his bride. Okay, you say, what are you talking about? Well, in, in the Jewish customs, there was a time there where they would, they would say, okay, I've, I've been promised or pledged to a virgin. I want to take her as my wife, so I will go to my father's house and build a room onto it so that she and I may be a married couple in that room. Praise God that we don't have that custom anymore. Just go on and get married, sweetheart. Go get your own house. Go build you a little house, a nice little room, two states over somewhere, so that when you're fighting, you can't just come back home and say, I'm done. This is a whole pointing to the rapture of the church, the, the, the calling out of, that, the, the, the call of the bridegroom to his bride, us, the church, saying, look, I am going to prepare a place for you. My father's house are many mansions, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. I think that's pretty cool. Amen. I think it's pretty neat that he would look in and do that. Here's the thing. You say, Pastor, I don't know. Why would you know that he's going to... He, he didn't say I'm going to make a mansion. I'm not going to make one or two. There's plenty of room in my father's house. Now, when I was a youth pastor, and we talked about all this stuff and went through the book of Revelation and uh, started measuring out the, the city and all of this stuff, the New Jerusalem, it, it, they're like, Pastor Bob, it's just not big enough. There's just not going to be very many people there. Yeah, there's going to be plenty of room. Well, first of all, when you start transferring over the cubits into uh, miles today, it's about 1,400 miles cubic. 
That means square, 1,400 miles long, 1,400 miles this way, that way, and this way, and that way. That's a big city. Well, how big is it? Well, imagine going from here to, to southern Florida somewhere. And the first service I said across the Lake of Mexico. What was that? The Gulf of Mexico, and then back up, and then back over in a square. I said, that's a big chunk. Yeah, but still, you start thinking of the whole world, and everybody's been born to fit into that. No, 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 wait, 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 before you get all worried and upset. It says in the scripture when it's talking about the New Jerusalem, that there's, there's three gates on each side, and those gates are open day and night, year round. So what's that mean? It means you got some city folks and you got some country folks. That's just where the throne is. That's just where Jesus is, folks. And sure, there's activity, there's business, and there's stuff going on in the city, but listen, it's, His kingdom is the whole world. His kingdom is the universe and beyond. Things that we can't fathom or see. There's plenty of room. Don't worry. People say, well, He's just waiting on a number, preacher. He's just waiting until His house is full, and then He's done with it all. No, no. He's merciful and kind. He's not willing that any should perish. He's patient. He's patient. He wants his house full of his children. He wants his children. He says, look, if this were not so, I would have told you. He's not going to lie to us about it. Amen? Amen. And the other thing that's cool about it, he says, I'm going to go there and I'm going to prepare a place for you. You specifically. You is a very clear and specific word. And the problem is everybody's like, oh no, oh no, I don't want to go to heaven, Pastor Bobby, because it's full of puffy clouds and harps. Puffy clouds, harps, and it sounds really boring. And, and I've heard preachers get up and say, yo, I can't wait. We get to heaven. It's going to be like this all the time. And everybody's going, oh, dear God, I'm going to be hungry and church is going to take forever, forever? <laughs> Trust me, it's going to be better than this. All right? It's going to be way better. The teaching's going to be way better. It's going to be designed in such a way that you cannot fathom or understand anything better. I'll give you an example. And I know I've used this before, but deal with it. <laughs> it's the best example I can use. In 1995, my wife and I, my beautiful bride, we sit down and we say, we're going to build a house. What do you want to do? Well, we start looking at house books. Couldn't find anything we like. Look at all the plans. Nothing to make her happy. Just kidding. We were looking through everything and we couldn't find anything we liked together. And so, so finally, we just said, my father-in-law said, why don't you just plan and design it yourselves? So we said, well, we could do that. So we get this giant drafting board. It's in our living room. Took up most of our living room. We watch TV like this for the next however many months. And we had this drafting board up there. And I said, you just find, you find a, a, a picture of a house you like. And I said, we'll draw everything in and make it. It'll look like that in the front. And then everything behind don't matter. We'll just make it fit to whatever you want. She's like, okay. So she finds this. She says, I really like this house. I said, we can do it. So we started drawing. I drew it out, did the measurements off the floor plan. I said, now everything behind it, we can make it fit. Now, how, what do you want? Do you tell me what rooms you want, how many rooms you want, how big you want the rooms, and then, and then we'll build it. And, and she, after we were done, I said, okay, uh, 55, 5,000 square foot is a little much. Let's cut that back a little bit. How many of you know when you have a vision, the vision's like, oh, this would be great, and have a room for this, and a room for that, and a room for this, and a room for that, and you go, what? How much a square foot? <laughs> so we trimmed her back a little bit. And we began to draw, and, 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 and then it became very personal, and, 
you know, her bathroom knowing that she's got arthritis in her knees and she likes to soak in hot water to settle them down so she can sleep at night and, and just making sure that that's a tranquil place and designing that for her. And, 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 and we wanted to put in our house a, a gazebo ceiling. For those of you that have been there, there's a gazebo ceiling over our breakfast area. We just wanted to kind of grab a hold and commemorate that we were married in a gazebo as a reminder to us, our marriage covenant, our vows. So, so this home was designed very personal together for reasons, many more reasons we go into, but I'm not going to bore you with it. Do you really think that if my wife and I are capable of that, capable of that, that God is not? Do you think, you think Jesus isn't better at it than I am? He knows, the, the man, the, the, the one who knows you, the one who created you, designed you, all of your emotions, all of your needs, he knows, all of your physical needs, everything about you that he knows you love and desire that is going to make you happy. He understands you and knows you better than you do. And he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Suddenly, everybody in the room is going, hold, hold, hold on a second. I want to go now. Because it's not puffy clouds anymore and, and naked babies with harps. I, suddenly, this is a cool place. It's no longer just hungry church services all the time. This is suddenly cool. It, it, it goes far beyond any kind of understanding you could have. And Jesus said, if it were not so, I would have told you. He's not a liar. He's telling you the truth. There is no reason for a Christian, a believer, to be afraid to die. Amen. Ever. Ever. And I used to struggle with that. And he said, and if I do this, if I go there and I prepare a place for you, I will come to you and I will bring you into myself so that where I am you may be also. You say, what's your point? Why in the world would I build a house and never move into it? Why would I start something and not finish it of that magnitude? Now, I have started a playhouse in my backyard that ain't finished, and I've gotten ridicule for it. But my daughter's 13 now, and it don't matter no more. One of these days, <laughs> one of these days I may go out there and just gas can and say, hey, what's everybody think now? <laughs> finished! If anybody wants a playhouse, let me know. We'll cut the legs off. You can take it to your house and finish it yourself! She still played in it. So what? The birds and the bees and everything else got inside of there. The, the wasps and the hornets. And, Dad, I don't want to play in it. Just hit them with a broom. They'll go away. God isn't like that. He's going to finish. He will bring you home. Hear me. He will bring you home. Could you imagine buying Christmas and not ever giving it to people? All the excitement and the joy that he has in preparing a place for you. Do you really think he's not going to let you walk into that presence if he's promised it to you? He's not a liar, folks. He says, I will come again. If Amber would come, and as she comes, I, I just want to... Uh, you say, Pastor, why in the world would you talk about heaven and hell? It's Christmas season. It's Christmas. It's all about joy and happiness. Well, I want you to have real joy. I want you to have real happiness. There's no greater gift than the gift of eternal life. True eternal life. Not eternal second death. Eternal life. Because that second death doesn't end. There's life in the middle of the second death. It's just that you're forgotten. This is eternal life with Christ. There is no greater thing. You say, why is it such a big deal? I don't know if you've heard this or not, but according to the Mayans, the world's going to end on the 21st of this month. Can I get a whoop whoop?
what if it does? Which it's not going to. I guarantee you the world's going to be around at least another thousand years. At least. Why? Because we know that uh, the, first, the dead in Christ shall rise first. We talk about all that. We've got the tribulation period. And then following that is the millennial reign of Christ, which is a legitimate, true 1,000-year period. And then after that is the great white throne judgment where all the dead that have rejected Christ are raised to life and cast into their eternal punishment. And then eternity begins. So we've got another 1,000 years regardless. Besides that, too, the Scripture says, it makes very clear, Jesus says, He said that no man knows the time or the date, not even the angels in heaven, and not even the Son, but only the Father knows the time and date. You tell me that the Mayans knew about it. <laughs> and they're not even around. <laughs> I mean, if you think if you had some kind of great insight into something, at least you wouldn't be extinct. <laughs> Just a thought. I didn't know if the Mayans is the same as Ewan's, you know, we're going over to Mayans for Christmas and... Ewan's going to your minds for Christmas too? I'm going to minds. World's not going to be destroyed and fall apart December 21st. You're going to have Christmas, okay? The world's going to be here. I promise. Some people say, well, Pastor, the rapture is going to take place on December 21st. I'm not saying the end of the world, the rapture. Well, again, I don't know the time or the date. But, folks, the rapture could happen before we leave this room. <laughs> it could happen tomorrow. It could happen the 20th. You better hope it don't happen the 20th because you ain't going to be ready. Listen. Listen to me. If it happens today, are you ready to go? If Christ calls... His children home today. Are you ready to go? Has He prepared a place for you? Are you a child of obedience that's going to be raised to life to come and be in the presence of God? And not to mention, let's say the rapture don't happen for another 60 to 100 years. Let's say it don't happen for 1,000 years, which I don't think is the case. Because I think Jesus gave us some warning signs that are pretty clear right now. But anyway, let's say Jesus holds off and God is patient with us. You're not promised your next breath. You could die before you leave the building. I used to laugh when preachers would say that. Well, gee, that's encouraging. Listen, I got, I, got my, uh, I got a Christmas card from the district office yesterday. And on the Christmas card, it had all the district staff. And standing in the middle there was David and Joyce Delp, his wife. Last picture taken of her. And they adapted the card and it said on the side, it says, in memory of Joyce Delp. One day they were there getting pictures taken. A couple days later, she was gone, entered into eternity. Listen, you and I are not promised tomorrow, folks. I want to wait till I'm old, Pastor. I want to wait till my wild oats are sown before I want to make Christ my Savior. If you do that, what you're doing is, is you're gambling with this gift of eternal life that God has promised for those that will serve Him. He's patient. He's not willing that any should perish. But if you demand your wages, He will give them to you. That's tough, isn't it? That's tough. Stand with me this morning if you would. i got a couple of scriptures to read to you as we close. We read that passage and Thomas said, Lord, I don't know where you're going. He said, you know where I'm going. 
He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. No one can come to the Father. Nobody can come to their eternal inheritance except through Christ Jesus. It's only in Him that eternal life is found. John 1.4 says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. John 3 says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. God sent Jesus to give us the eternal life that we're talking about today. Pushing for us, calling us, giving to us. And many people stand back and say, I don't want it. I don't believe it. I think it's an empty package. I think it's a lie. I don't think it's real. I don't think it's true. And God says, I sent my son, Jesus. You can look through history books. There's history all over this world that Jesus really did walk this earth. That he really did do what he said he was going to do. That he really did do all the things that he did. It's not just the Bible that's made account of this. It's all through history, folks. We know it took place. We know he was hung on a cross. We know he was dead and buried. That he raised to life. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. Today he is calling out to you. Do you want life? Do you want life everlasting? It's a gift that I've given to you. John 20, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life. In his name. First John 5, we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, even in his Son Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. He is eternal life. You can't get it through Buddha, you can't get it through Muhammad, you can't get it through uh, Socrates, you can't get it through anybody else. You want eternal life, it's only going to come through Jesus Christ. And it's a gift, you can't earn it. Bow your heads with me. Father, I just thank you for this message today. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word is reliable and true. I thank you, God, that you sent Jesus Christ to be the life for us, to be the avenue of light and hope to us. And God, I thank you that there's a room full of people here. Lord, that I hope and pray every single one of them has got their names written down in the book of life. 